Jesus has ascended to heaven. He rules there at the right hand of the throne of God. He came to this earth for a while. Those who saw him uh, most did not recognize him. They didn't know who he was. Now that he's gone back to heaven, we study him, we learn of him, we read about him. If somehow he were to show up here today physically, I wonder, would we recognize him? Would we know him? Would we recognize Jesus? Of course, he is here with us. His presence is in our midst. We are the temple of God. He lives within us. But we also acknowledge the fact that Jesus sometimes is hard to understand. Sometimes Jesus is hard to even recognize, to know him. This lesson today is intended to encourage us to continue to search honestly, diligently, open-mindedly, to search after Him. It's not like He's elusive, like He is trying to steer clear of us and make it hard for Him to find, but yet it's a wonderful way that He encourages us to keep seeking after him for we will never completely know him until that final day when he descends on the clouds and we look up into the sky and we see him as he is we'll get to know him then but in the meantime we have this wonderful opportunity and a command for us to keep searching to keep seeking after him The lesson today comes from Luke 24, and here we find the story of two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And this is a passage uh, where we learn that Jesus was difficult for them to recognize. So here is the resurrected Jesus, uh, and he comes along a couple of people on this road. They are disciples, ones who knew Christ, but they did not recognize him. So let's look at this passage and consider. So first, let's read Luke 24, verses 13 through 16. Behold, two of them were going that very day. This is two two disciples is what it's intimating they're going that very day to a village named Emmaus which was about seven miles from Jerusalem and they were talking with each other about all these things which were which had taken place while they were talking and discussing Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. So an interesting interesting little thought here as we consider this. Two guys talking about all this stuff. And notice it says that very day. So this is the day of the resurrection. This is a Sunday 
some 2,000 years ago, when Jesus Christ had, had uh, been brought forth from the tomb, uh, and we're going to read a little bit more about some things that happened that day that they talk about. It's an amazing day. And it's interesting to note that they were going to a village, a village named Emmaus, and Scripture points out how far away it is. Seven miles from Jerusalem. They are leaving Jerusalem, going away from the place where the resurrection had happened. They're discussing all the things that had happened over the last few days. And Jesus kind of suddenly merges paths with them. I, you know, I guess it's kind of like two cars. You got the on-ramp uh, going up I-75, and the other one just kind of merges with the other, and suddenly they're traveling together. Well, Jesus is traveling with them, just kind of listening to their discussion, but they don't know who he is. Their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Their eyes were closed. They didn't know Jesus. I think sometimes figuratively for us, it's a little hard for us to understand Jesus, to know Jesus, to truly see Jesus. That's going to be the encouragement for us today is to make sure that we've got our eyes open, always open to know Christ. So here they are, they're on the road, their eyes are prevented from recognizing Jesus. Now let's read verses 17 through 20. And he said to them, What are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still, looking sad. One of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, and in the sight of God and all the people. And how the chief priest and rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. All right, so now just pause for a second. And, uh, Jesus, it's, it's a little humorous, isn't it, almost, when you think about this whole interaction. Jesus is kind of caught up to him on the road, started traveling with him. And, hey, what are you guys are talking about? Well, we're talking about you, Jesus. <laughs> he knows who they're, what they're talking about. But he kind of plays dumb a little bit and just talking to them. What are you, you know, what's happening? What's going on? What things? These things that have been happening in Jerusalem, what's, what's happening? You guys tell me. I want to hear you guys talk about this a little bit more. And notice what they say about Jesus. In verse number 19, it says, The things about Jesus the Nazarene. Okay, Jesus was from Nazareth. That's true. Who was a prophet. Jesus was a prophet, wasn't he? He spoke the word of words of God. Mighty indeed. He performed miracles. And word. Great teaching. Fantastic teaching. In the sight of God and all the people. And the chief priests and rulers delivered him to the sentence of death. And they crucified him. So they, 
They put him to death. They hung him on the cross. All this is accurate. Everything's true, except for it doesn't sound like they really knew Jesus, did they? What do you think they left out? Calling Jesus, all these things, these are all these things are true, but to not say that the, he was the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. He was the chosen one. They might hint at this in the coming verse, but not the, you know, how do you miss this, the Son of God? He was the Son of God. He raised people from the dead. He was the Son of God. And they had, they, it seems like they truly didn't know Jesus, thinking he was just a prophet. Worked these miracles, spoke mighty words, just a prophet. Somehow they had missed Jesus, these men of God, these disciples. They had missed Jesus. Continuing in verse number 21, it says, But we were hoping that he was, that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Now listen to that before we continue on with the rest of this. We thought he was going to deliver Israel. We thought he was going to save Israel. In their minds, he had not saved Israel. He had not done what he came to do. And as we might imagine, they were probably thinking that the deliverance that they were expecting was a mighty leader who was going to deliver them from the hand, from the thumb of Rome. Rome's got our, their thumb, they're in control here. Their thumb is upon us, we are under their control. And Jesus was supposed to deliver us from these heathens. They had false expectations. We can understand why they had those expectations. But they were false expectations. They were not the true expectations that they should have had, which Jesus is going to teach them about in a moment. But let's continue with uh, verse number 21. It says, But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came, saying they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. So not only did they have this false expectation of what Jesus was going to do, they had heard this message of hope that the tomb was empty, that the, they claimed that he had been, uh, that he was alive according to verse 23. They had heard this message, but the body wasn't found. And now your mind flashes to uh, just consider this news that they had received from the women from the tomb. Jesus is alive. He's not in the tomb. We've got this message. He's alive. Oh, yeah, but you didn't find his body. And here they are then. They're 
trekking their way seven miles, a little seven-mile trip that they are walking away from Jerusalem. But Jesus is alive back in Jerusalem. That's the news. Oh, they're walking to Emmaus. Pretty bizarre. And these are disciples. These are followers of Jesus. They haven't been awakened. Their eyes haven't opened up and said, He's alive? Maybe He's alive? But they just... But Him they did not see. That's the last of their words. But Him they did not see. So we're going to Emmaus. What's going to be in Emmaus? Do you think they're going to find the resurrected Lord in Emmaus? No, but on the way... Well, actually they do. (laughs) I was going to say they find Him on the way. But they travel. They make their way to Emmaus. We're going to find out. We're going to see the end of the story in a moment. And they do find the Lord in Emmaus. It's amazing where He finds us. Or where we find Him. Notice the next verse then. After them saying they didn't find His body... Him they did not see. Verse 25 says, And he said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Hear what he says to these disciples. They were foolish men, and slow of heart to believe. And we would join right in and say, yeah, they were, oh, they were so foolish. Oh, they were so slow of heart to believe. How could they, you know, looking back on this, they're, hey, Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. There's news of this. The women have shared it. They had a vision of angels. And they say, oh, but you didn't find the body. And so they're going back seven miles. They're trekking seven miles to Emmaus, to nowhere. They were foolish. They were slow of heart to believe. Just as we so often are. That's going to be the point of all this, is to realize that we're all... Like this, we're all foolish, we're all slow of heart to believe. We have to make sure that we have our eyes open. We have to make sure that we are continuing to learn, continuing to find and just know Jesus. And He's oh so wonderful and oh so complex, but oh so simple. Just learning about Him is our joy. And we have to have our hearts open and seek after the wisdom of Christ and be ready to believe. Believe fully in Him and not get distracted with anything besides Him. These guys were a little distracted. They had an expectation of Jesus. He's going to deliver us from Rome. When He didn't meet their expectation just seems like it was over. Their hopes are dashed. They're on a seven-mile journey, and the whole way they're just talking about, oh, I can't believe that happened. Oh, I can't believe that happened. I thought this. I thought that. So, so terrible. When Jesus noticed when He um, initially came up to Him, what are you guys talking about? They stood still, looking sad. Their hopes are dashed. Everything is wrong. 
They just couldn't, they did not know what Jesus truly had come to accomplish. So on to, uh, if you're following along the outline, we're down to letter F. Let's read Luke 24, verses 25 all the way through 27. Jesus said, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things, to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So the scriptures, they weren't reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He was going back to all of these, all of this and from Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, all the way through the Psalms, all the way through the prophets. He was showing, hey, this is talking about what the Messiah, the chosen one, was going to have to do. You thought he was going to come and deliver Israel from Rome with a mighty army and take out his sword and lead us to victory. You're looking at the wrong enemy. He was going to lead all of the nations, all peoples everywhere into victory over the common enemy that we all have, and that is Satan, over the, the sting of death. He talks about all of these things, all of the things, the little seven mile trek, I don't know how much of that he was walking with them, but he was teaching them on the way. Now we continue in verse 28, we'll read through 32. And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going further. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it's getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When they had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour, returned to Jerusalem, and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, the Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in in the breaking of the bread. So here they had, they had missed everything, but then as, as Jesus sits down with them at a table and he takes the bread and he blesses the bread, thank you, Father, for this bread. However he typically did, he probably held it up, and then he broke the bread. In that moment, they knew who it was. Jesus, in his very distinct way, and I'm sure the Jews had their, their ways of breaking bread, but he, they knew when the Jesus broke the bread, just as he had done in the upper room, they recognized him. They knew him. Their eyes were opened in that moment. It's a beautiful, wonderful thought. 
that suddenly everything became clear and Jesus became clear to them. But they had a difficult time getting there. They had a difficult time seeing Jesus. We're left to wonder why. Why were their eyes kind of closed? Why could they not recognize him? But it seems to be a little bit of a common thing. In um, John chapter 20, verses 14 through 16, you can see when Mary Magdalene, she has, they've been there and then left, got the apostles, and then come back. And she's kind of, it seems like she's staying there at the, at the empty tomb. She sees a couple of angels and they're talking to her. And she's weeping and crying. Somebody comes up behind her and she somehow notices this person. And it's Jesus has come up behind her. She thinks it's the gardener. I don't know if she just didn't get a good look or if somehow her eyes were unable to see him also. She's weeping, distracted. Maybe she just didn't look good. Or maybe Jesus was in a different form. Or maybe her eyes were prevented from seeing him, recognizing him. Jesus ends up saying to her, Mary. And when he says that, she knows when he speaks her name, she knows it's him. It's a beautiful thought. And also, at the end of John, you have seven disciples fishing. And in that passage, uh, well, they're listed earlier in the, in the, in the account. Um, let me see if I, I want to make sure I've got that right reference. At the, end of, at the end of John, it's the very last chapter, um, So they're all listed by name in verse number two, except for two of them. So there's seven total disciples, maybe all the apostles or maybe just uh, some others that were there with some apostles. Uh, But they didn't recognize Jesus when he was on the shore, but that could be a distance thing. They didn't recognize him. And then uh, John is the one who tells Peter, it's the Lord, because they had this big catch. So... Peter takes off toward shore and goes up with with Jesus. And then they're sitting around the fire. Um, Jesus is cooking for them already. Um, In verse 12 then it says, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Notice this next phrase. It's really weird. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Why would they even venture to ask a question, who are you, when he's right there? Well, maybe He was in a different form. Maybe he wasn't quite the same. The resurrected Jesus might have been looking a little different. Uh, If you look in the gospel according to Mark, there's more clues in in Mark chapter 16. And there, if you read through, you'll find a passage that says that he appeared to them in a different form. So, all of this about Jesus... Hard to recognize, difficult to understand, false expectations. All through, you think about all through Jesus' ministry, all of his disciples would often ask him, "Uh, what did you mean by this? You guys don't get it. (laughs) Uh, It seems like some other people did get some of the things that Jesus taught, but his disciples were some of the hardest headed. And then when he started talking clearly to him and said, I'm going to be, I'm going to be uh, 
die at the hands of the leaders. They're going to put me to death. They somehow thought he was talking in riddles again. And they really didn't get it. We see it in these uh, two uh, disciples on the road to Emmaus. They didn't expect him to die. Jesus was hard to understand. Jesus was hard to recognize. Jesus showing up to them after he was resurrected, he was often not recognized even then. Until he broke the bread. And he was recognized. He always makes sure we can recognize him. He wants us to know him. But he wants us to seek for him. And he wants us to make sure that we don't have expectations that are wrong. He wants to make sure that we're constantly learning and growing in wisdom so that we can truly see Christ. I want to ask the question, and these questions down uh, at the close of the, the outline here, at the close of the lesson, just to challenge us. Do we have difficulty recognizing Jesus today? And there are a lot of people who have a lot of different opinions about Jesus. Uh, They have a lot of different opinions about what the Bible says about him. So the answer is, yeah, it can be hard to see him. So let us keep searching. Let us keep our mind open to the scriptures. The next question says, do we see Jesus as scripture reveals him? So as the scriptures reveal him to be, do we truly see him in that light? Are we learning what scripture wants us to? We've got to come back to it constantly as if we've never read this before. We've been learning this all of our lives. We've had preachers and teachers stand before us and say, this is what this means. There's nothing wrong with that. But we have to step back sometimes and say, Have the things that I've learned in the past, are they truly what I am supposed to be learning from the Scripture? We should question everything. We uphold the Bereans in in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. They were searching the Scriptures every day to see if what he said, what Paul said, was true. Always look to the Scriptures. Always seek the truth. That is here. Do we see Jesus as the scriptures reveal? Are we aware that our eyes may be prevented from recognizing him? There are times that if we've got some false information, we got something that, that might be skewing how we see. It's as if we don't have on glasses and we see, we see trees. You know, it's like the, the blind man that, that's, that Jesus healed in, a, in stages. He said he was blind, but then he, I see people, but I, they look like trees. And then Jesus healed him the rest of the way, and it's like he put on glasses and could truly see. Let us keep learning. Let us keep growing and maturing in faith and in our understanding of Scripture. Never stop learning and growing. Our next question says, do we... Truly know Him and what He wants to do for us and in us. This is related to letter C, or, yeah, letter C above where it says they had false expectations of Jesus redeeming Israel from Rome. They just really didn't understand what Jesus wanted to do. 
And I think as Christians, sometimes we don't really understand what Jesus wants to do for us and in us. We think, well, Jesus came to die on the cross, so then I can go to heaven. And i got to say, okay, that's true, but what about in the meantime? What about here and now? What does He have in store for you? What does He want to do with you? And we've looked at this passage in, in recent, uh, a couple of weeks ago, about the idea of Jesus being in us, that we want to strive to be like Jesus, but really it's Him working in us. And this is something we can easily miss. And we can start thinking, all right, I've got to do this right and this right and this right. And we start looking at the Bible as a bunch, of, as a rule book telling us what to do and what not to do. But really, it's Jesus coming and saying, I want to be your life. I want to live in you. I want to be one with you. He has this expectation for us now. We can't miss that. We can't miss modeling that for our young people. We can't let people think that, that God's just a, a, a rule giver. And you got to do this and not this, and that's the sum of the Christian life. No. Jesus wants to live in us. He wants our life to be in Him. He wants us to be that branch that's attached to Him, and our life comes from Him. He is the vine, and we are the branches. He wants to live in us. That Holy Spirit is to produce fruit in us. We are to be like Christ here in this life. He wants to be with us. He wants to shine forth the light of Christ to others so that we can know. When we partake of this communion feast, that we, we are partaking in the body of Christ. It reminds us of who we are in Him. We remember the sacrifice. And remember that by that sacrifice, then He uh, brings us together as one with Him. And we participate in Him every Sunday, but it's in Him and He in us. It's a participation, communion, oneness. Do we truly know Him... And what He wants to do for us and in us. The next uh, questions, the next thoughts. Do we have the right expectations? Do we walk away from the work of Christ in our lives and walk in our own way? You know, we come to church. We come together. And when, then when we leave, do it, what do we go to? Do we leave the, the place where we have fellowship with God and with Christ and we go out and live our life in the world again? What's our expectation? Those guys, those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, it blows me away what they were leaving, right? But God's so gracious and kind, Jesus shows up to them even as they're leaving Him, you know. Resurrected Lord in Jerusalem. Let's go to Emmaus. You know, that doesn't make sense. But Jesus met him there and reminded him who he is. And they hightailed it back to Jerusalem like they should have. In John 20, 
They're out fishing on the Sea of Galilee. Where should they have been? In Jerusalem. But Jesus shows up there, gets them on the right track. Feed my sheep. So anyhow, expectations. Don't have the wrong expectations. Make sure that you are aware of the expectation that God is giving of Himself. Not what we're putting on Him, but here's the expectation of what I want to do with you and in you and for you. Have the expectations right. Listen to God's Word. Are we foolish and slow of heart to believe? Unfortunately, a lot of times, yes. A lot of times we might have the right information. I'm not talking about all the information today. It's, it's about what we do with the information. Jesus said, blessed is he who hears the word and does it. He's like the man who builds his house upon the rock. Don't walk away. Make sure that you are doing everything that He asks you to do. Let Him live in your life. Let Him work in your life. Don't live your own life. Deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Him. Is it possible for us to miss what Scriptures make clear? So yeah, sometimes it is about information. You've got to start with the right information and then act upon it. Sometimes we can miss it, keep searching, let us keep growing, let us keep seeking. Do we see Jesus most clearly when we partake of his, his Supper, the Lord's Supper? And I do think it's interesting. That's when on the road to Emmaus, they get to Emmaus, they go in, they're still chatting, but then they're getting ready to eat. He takes the bread, blesses it, and breaks that bread. They're like, it's Him. Do we really see Him like we should every Sunday around the table? See the one who loved us so much that He died for us. That's the most basic information, isn't it? Let us truly see Him, especially when we gather around this table. Do we find hope in the death of Jesus of Nazareth? Those poor uh, two souls on that road to Emmaus, they were... So sad. They were without hope. Because their Savior died. But we, rem we remember the one who died for us. And when he died for us, he demonstrated his love for us. Even though we were sinners. Even though we were rebellious. Even though we act foolish and go our own ways. Jesus, even then, he died for us. Let us continue to seek after him. Let us see that death on the cross is our greatest hope. To know that Jesus loves you so much that He gave His life for you. He suffered much for you. Let us live for Him. If anybody needs to give their life to Christ today, I encourage you to, to do so. You can submit to Him. What you know about Him is important. You don't have to know everything, but you can begin this journey today of walking with Christ, walking on the road to Emmaus, having your eyes opened up. Know Him. Learn of Him. And trust Him. Give your life to Him. If you need to be immersed into Christ today, I invite you to come as we stand together and sing.